You are listening to Mining Stock Education, where you'll learn from the top leaders in the natural resource sector and uncover quality mining investment opportunities. We believe in the big picture story and, and you know, where we're investing for now is the likelihood, the in our minds, near certainty that gold and silver prices are going to be much higher three years down the road or whatever. Um, so we shouldn't really worry about it day by day. Thanks for tuning in to Mining Stock Education. I'm your host, Bill Powers. And in today's episode, we're going to be touching base and hearing from Brian London. He is the editor of the Gold Newsletter, which has been around since the United States went off the gold standard. And he is also the host of the New Orleans Investment Conference, which will be a hybrid version this year. There is the in-person uh, possibility if you want to head down to New Orleans towards the end of October. Brian's going to be sharing about that. But uh, in the meantime, Brian, let's start off with uh, investor sentiment in the junior gold sector. You've been at this many more decades than me. So how do you deal with the ups and downs? We've been experiencing some downs this summer in terms of our equity uh, in the junior gold stocks. How do you deal with this? Well, Bill, despite the fact that you prefaced this by saying I've been involved many more decades than you have. Uh, yeah, I've been in this game a long time, and I'm still learning how to deal with that. You know, I was joking or laughing at myself today in between phone calls. I looked at the gold price maybe five times in the span of about a half an hour uh, and caught myself. So why in the world are you doing that? You know, we believe in the big picture story and, and you know, we're, we're investing for it now is the likelihood the in our minds near certainty that gold and silver prices is going to be much higher three years down the road or whatever. Um, so we shouldn't really worry about it day by day, day by day, but we do. Now, first thing, of course, is you should never invest in this sector on margin. Uh, and if you do that and you are only investing money that you can afford to lose or, <clears throat> at you know, can't afford to lose about changing your lifestyle dramatically, then you're you're okay right now. This is a cyclical market. You're going to get through this. The, the trends will come back in your favor. The times to worry about portfolio management aren't when the market's down, when you can't really sell your positions anyway. You know, the old saying, sell to whom? Um, you know, there's nobody out there to buy them. So it, it all just dries up. So you just have to get through the drought and weather the storm, yada, yada, and then wait for things to turn. Now, when everything's rocking and rolling, that's the time where you really need to worry or be concerned about portfolio management. That's when capital gains flow like you know, rich income. There's just a stream of gains that potentially on paper are flowing by you. And that's when you need to worry about uh, taking some of those gains, dipping a ladle into that flow of capital gains and taking some money off the table, out of that market and putting it aside. You have those opportunities in the good times in these sectors, in the sector, and you need to really take advantage of it. But right now, you can't really worry about it. Now, again, I say that, and I'm still trying to figure out how to do it myself because I do find myself checking the market over and over and over again. Um, and, and you really shouldn't. And it's a lesson that, you know, even I, after being in the sector so long, learn every day. And Brian, one thing you shared with me in a previous interview is that, Bill, after you capture those gains, 
get them out of your account so you don't spend it on something yeah. else. Especially if we might be towards a peak, you want to exit the, the bull cycle with profits in your personal bank account. Yeah, you know, if we're involved in the junior mining game, okay, we believe in the, the big picture story, the macroeconomic picture, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, we, we're romantics at heart. We love a good story. We like that story of discovery. And if you sell a big winner and you leave that cash in your account, you're just going to fall for the next story coming up. And because this is a cyclical market, a lot of those stories come by near the top of the market. Um, or at the top of a cycle. So you really want to get that out and get it uh, at least two steps removed from, from uh, going back into the market. You know, one of the great places that I find, you can still believe in the macro story, one of the great, great places I find to store cash in an account now these days is in, say, the Sprott Physical Bullion Trust, gold or silver. I put some in the silver trust back in, I guess, April of 2020 as just a cash holding account within a couple of months it had gone up 80%. And I'm like, that's not bad for cash earnings. Of course, it's gone down a little bit but since then, but still uh, it's ahead of the game. And I put that away as cash and I haven't liquidated any of those silver holdings, that silver trust holding yet. It's just still sitting there. Brian, uh, there are many that are saying right now, and I, I agree with this point, that if you're going to invest in a small microcap uh, junior resource stock now, do so in one that's financed. But the, the flip side of that is also sometimes a financing could be a catalyst. So in your view, would it be good perhaps to look for a good company with a good project, good management? Maybe they don't have money. But if we do believe that this is a, you know, a near-term cyclical bottom that we're experiencing right now, do you ever speculate in that regards to where the financing actually is the catalyst for a 200% move a lot of time in these stocks? Well, that's typically the case in uh, as a drilling season comes up. And if a company is sitting there, it's a great prospect and, and no money in the bank, and they can do a financing and, and then explore that, get the drills turning. Actually, nobody's really interested or the market's not really interested in surface sampling results, et cetera, et cetera. They want to see the drills turning. So if a financing gets a company with a great prospect and gets those drills turning, that could be an opportunity. You do have to watch share structure. You know, if they're they have to raise a lot of money and they're it's very cheap. If they double their shares outstanding on a financing, it's going to be really tough to go anywhere anyway, uh, even with putting that money to work. In regards to share structure, what's your sentiment towards the Australian companies where they have no problem issuing a billion shares, whereas here in the States, we don't like to see it over two, three hundred million? Yeah, uh, my mind just doesn't handle those big numbers that well. So that's one of the reasons why I, I tend to avoid that market. It's just completely different and um, and hard to gauge how uh, how a company can advance with that many shares out. It, it really has to eat through a lot of stock. It has to, uh, I mean, not that there aren't successes, obviously there are, and obviously the, the Australian market led the, uh, the North American markets by, uh, 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 by a lot in this, this cycle. So it, there are successes there. It's just alien to me when you have that much stock out and, and I rarely, rarely recommend Australian stocks for that reason. Also, because unless you have really good ears and eyes on the ground there, you're you're going to get fleeced. 
Um, so I, I avoid that uh, and try to stick to my knitting where I know just about everybody involved in the industry. What percentage of your own portfolio would be in producers right now? Uh, not an awful lot. Um, I would say for the junior mining portfolio, oh, less than 10% uh, for me. I, I don't really cover the producers. I think that they're a good value right now, very generally speaking, uh, especially the mid tiers that also have the potential of some m a affecting them or, or you know, uh, being a catalyst for them. Um, so I don't begrudge anybody holding producers right now. I just don't follow them quite as much as the, the junior exploration and development sector. Gold Terra Resource Corp is a gold exploration company that has assembled a highly prospective district scale land position on the doorstep of the city of Yellowknife in Canada's Northwest Territories. Gold Terra is currently focused on expanding and delineating gold resources at the company's Yellowknife City Gold Project with the goal of discovering over 5 million ounces. With ready access to infrastructure and multiple high-grade gold discoveries, Gold Terra is on track to re-establishing Yellowknife as one of the premier gold mining districts in Canada. Gold Terra trades as YGT in Toronto and YGTFF on the OTC. For more information, go to goldterracorp.com. That's goldterracorp.com. I've listened to a couple arguments for why when the Fed next raises interest rates, that's probably the next key catalyst for gold. And one of the arguments is that when that happens, General equities would turn over probably at least 20%. That would cause fear. And then the fear trade would drive the price of gold. Uh, what do you think of that argument? Uh, I <clears throat> agree with the conclusion, not necessarily the logical path to get there. What we've seen, uh, and, and I have to remark that back in December of 2015, I called the end of the bear market in gold. And uh, ahead of the Fed's expected rate hike, initial rate hike, um, that December, um, because I look at that as releasing the selling pressure. You know, one of the the, um, the things we see in trading and in investing is the typical uh, buy the rumor, sell the news phenomenon. And that's what happens in the paper gold and paper silver markets. They look ahead to see what's the big next big announcement or move by the central bank. Uh, and they bet on those headlines and those events. The markets are absolutely addicted to monetary policy right now. Uh, fundamentals do not drive the speculative end of the market. So it's all based on what kind of, how much more monetary adrenaline are we going to get or what announcements in that regard are we going to get? So gold fell from 2011, 2012. It peaked right when the Fed announced unlimited QE, QE3, QE infinity. Uh, as long as it takes, uh, to whatever degree it takes. And amazingly, gold peaked at that point. Instead, you would think it would take off from that point. But the, the speculators looked ahead and realized that the next big announcement coming from the Fed was going to be uh, the end of quantitative easing, tapering. So they went ahead and exited the trade and gold fell from that point on and kept falling as speculators went in on the short side anticipating the next big announcement from the Fed of rate hikes. Once the Fed had an, uh, actually accomplished rate hikes, that was almost exactly the bottom in gold. Uh, and we had six months going into 2016 of really powerful gold and silver market and made a lot of money in that market. And, and the, the juniors took off as well for that six month period. 
Um, so, yeah, I think that factor is going to happen again. Uh, and it could happen this time around, could kind of rhyme this time around in that it, the announcement of tapering could be the launching point rather than actual rate hikes. Because I think there's still some skepticism that the Fed will actually be able to, to raise rates even a bit. But they, it looks very likely if you read the current tea leaves and trial balloons being floated by Fed officials, that maybe uh, next month we're going to have the announcement of tapering. That could be the launch. If you look at some of the technicals, it looks like that's about the time where we could see a reversal in gold's downward momentum and, and going up again. So uh, that that could be a key catalyst. It could be the first rate hikes at some point when they when they occur. But I still think those are pretty far down the road if they happen at all. And do you expect silver to lead gold even this year if, if it plays out like that in about a month? Yeah, this is a monetary-based bull market. Um, obviously, it doesn't feel like a bull market right now. But again, looking at the big macro picture, we are in a long-term secular bull market. And in one that's based on monetary factors, and really, that's the only kind of bull market in metals that lasts very long. But one that's based on monetary factors, monetary concerns, um, concerns over the valuation the, or potential devaluation of the currency, Silver always leads gold, always has at least, uh, and I would expect it to do so again. So as I always say, if you like gold and you should, you uh, you should love silver. And any idea, uh, any thoughts on uh, Bitcoin and Ethereum? Are you still staying out of that trade or have you dabbled in uh, cryptocurrencies yeah. at all? <clears throat> still staying out because I missed it, you know, so I have that emotional hurdle to get over as well. <laughs> You know, I just know that I'll get in at the top. Um, but yeah, that's that's part of it. I am completely in line with the philosophy or the original philosophy for cryptocurrencies, that being some level of independence from uh, from the government, from government watching over your, your personal decisions and finances, from the um, uh, mismanagement uh, by central banks, et cetera, et cetera. But I, I'm afraid, and this may be the fact that I'm not in the trade biasing me to some degree against it, but I'm afraid that the emergence of central bank digital currencies um, and the fact that the crypto universe is trying to run to the cover of regulation and go mainstream, that a lot of those advantages of cryptocurrencies are actually vanishing. And that once the central banks have their own digital currencies, they're also going to steal an important use argument for cryptocurrencies, that of clearing transactions. Because, uh, you know, everyday commerce and consumers will more likely use the Federal Reserve's digital currency to clear their rent payments, their trips to, uh, to Walmart, et cetera, than they will Bitcoin or Ethereum or whatever the latest digital or cryptocurrency du jour may be. So that will steal some of those use arguments from the, the cryptos. And without those underlying use arguments, uh, then a lot of the appeal falls away, especially if that market is highly regulated. But as a libertarian, you would like the privacy aspect of it and perhaps some of the sound money argument to it? Uh, absolutely. Um, I do think, though, that the cryptocurrencies have stolen some of the speculative demand from the metals, 
for those reasons, but I don't believe that they've stolen much, if any, of the safe haven or wealth insurance demand for metals. That involves shifts, you know, broad uh, and large shifts in portfolio allocations, as opposed to simply trading and uh, expecting to be able to sell to somebody else at a higher price down the road. So, Brian, your conference is coming up in about two and a half months here. Uh, what should we expect? Will you be covering Bitcoin or just uh, gold resource stocks and libertarian uh, political ideology? All of the above. Of uh, the a bit on Bitcoin. I am focusing a lot on some of the best thinkers out there, in my view, on macro. Um, and, you know, it's it's really been my wish list as somebody who spends a lot of time on financial Twitter, who, who really is uh, kind of a fanboy of some of the people who are out there commentating these days. Um, I've gotten my wish list and I've gone down and there's really only one or two on that list that I have not been able to get to come to New Orleans this year for, for some reasons. Uh, and it is an incredible list. I know I'm going to forget people, but I urge everyone to go to neworleansconference.com. And if you don't recognize some of these speakers that we have lined up, Google them and you'll see why they're coming. Just brilliant minds. We've got Ron Paul, of course, as a headliner. Uh, we've got Grant Williams, James Grant, uh, of course, Rick Rule, Peter Schiff. We've got Peter Bookbar, uh, Tabby Costa, uh, George Gammon. The real estate guys, uh, are you covering real estate again this year? Absolutely. The real estate guys are going to have a big focus here. They're, they're fantastic. So we cover that sector very well. Uh, we've got Jim Iorio, uh, Dave Collum, um, uh, Brent Johnson. Uh, the list goes on and on and on. It's a truly amazing one. Doug Casey, of course. Um and again, just whoever's listening to this, go to neworleansconference.com and take a gander at this uh, dream team that we have. It's really going to be a spectacular event. I'm confident that the Delta variant will have burnt off by then. You know, knock on wood, fingers crossed. Um, and thus, everybody's dying to get back together and we'll be able to do so here in New Orleans in a safe fashion. So it is going to be a real blockbuster, something people are going to be talking about for years and years. And you're incorporating last year's version as well, right? For those that can't get to New Orleans, you're also going to do a virtual conference or streaming, yeah. live streaming? Yeah, streaming. We're going to pipe out a lot of content. We're going to do some innovative things, have some roving cameras going around the uh the conference during breaks that people can tune into and see what's going on and feel like they're there. Uh, but I would encourage people to to make their plans to actually come to the live event, the in-person event, because there's nothing beats being there and being able to uh, buttonhole some of these speakers and ask them your questions and and meet them uh, and really and, and also run into the other speakers. You know, there's only so much you can do virtually. But when you talk to these other, when I say speakers, I mean the other attendees, these are really smart people and they're all willing to share their views and ideas and hot picks, et cetera, et cetera. So you can gain as much from talking to your fellow attendees as you can from the actual speakers on the, the podium. So it's, it is an extraordinary experience. And no matter what happens, if you register now for the in-person event, uh, we have a full money back guarantee. So if something happens, you're worried about COVID, you don't want to travel at the last minute, don't worry. We can give you a full refund or roll it over into the virtual event and, and give you some money back. So 
Um, whatever you do, I would advise you to go ahead and try and register now because there is a uh, strict limit to the capacity of the hotel. We have a strict limit on the room block. The hotel sold out past our room block. So it's important to reserve your place now. And you're one of only a few really resource conferences that is actually meeting in person this year, I think, too. I know of only one other that I track. Yeah, and we are, if not, you know, one of the few, if not the first really big one of what we do, I think we're the first. Um, and it's always an incredible, incredible experience. You know, the intellectual energy in the halls at the New Orleans conference, it's really a kind of a destination event. Everybody's in the same place, listening to the same speakers, uh, but still getting a myriad of views from people who are more libertarian slash conservative oriented. It's really a um, uh, incredible experience in person. And this year with everyone dying to get back uh, together again, it's really gonna be remarkable. Excellent. Well, Brian, thank you for sharing about the conference and for your insights on the market. And I look forward to catching up with you again in a few months. You got it. Thanks so much, Bill. Always a pleasure. Thank you for listening to Mining Stock Education. Please subscribe and share this show with like-minded investors. Connect with us at miningstockeducation.com and sign up for our email list to stay in touch. Much success to you as you learn about, invest in, and profit from mining stocks. The mining business is one that generates gigantic wealth. You know, a good drill hole that converts might cost fifty or $100,000, and it might discover something worth a couple billion. There is no sector that I know of that has offered up as many predictable circumstances uh, where there was the possibility, certainly not the certainty, but the possibility of 10 for 1 returns as there is in small cap and micro cap mining stocks. Concomitant with that, if you don't do the work, or even if you do do the work and don't discipline yourself on the sell side, there are very few places in the world where you can lose as much money as quickly as in mining stocks too. I just started to study up on mining stocks and I just became fascinated because this is such a tiny sector and it's so volatile that either you could really, you could do really, really well or you could pretty much get blown out of the water really quickly. The mining sector is a very risky sector. It can take your money very, very quickly. Don't fall in love with stocks. Don't be overly confident and just do your work as best you can. Do your very best, but don't fall in love and don't get too overly confident because um, that's a recipe for disaster. I have met you know, professional retail investors that have made a tremendous amount of money on the junior mining space. Some of them aren't accredited, and they just they spend their days researching, talking to people, being on the phone, being pouring through financial documents, but it requires commitment. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be considered personal legal or investment advice or a recommendation to buy or sell securities or any other product. We make every effort to be accurate, but the information presented is not to be considered infallible. It may contain errors and we offer no inferred or explicit warranty. If personal advice is needed, consult a qualified legal, tax, or investment professional. Do not base any investment decision on the information contained on miningstockeducation.com, our podcasts, or videos. Make sure you always conduct your own 
own thorough due diligence before investing. Realize that we may hold equity positions in or be compensated by some of the companies we feature and therefore are biased and hold an obvious conflict of interest. For our full disclaimer, please visit our website.